Hello. 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 Let's try this side. Test one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two. No. Did you hear me? What? Can you hear me now? I can see your lips moving. You're going to have to get closer to that microphone. Yeah, that's fine. Buddy. I will. Hey, college football fans. You are listening to episode 15 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast, a podcast where we talk college football with a definite Georgia Bulldog bias. Hi there. My name is Scott Duvall, and I'm joined today in studio by my fearless co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller. We have burned that tape from the game played last Saturday in the rain. In this episode, we barely touch on that game played last Saturday in the rain. <laughs> Instead, we quickly look forward to what's ahead as the dogs make their trip up to Rocky Top. Will Georgia be able to extend its streak to six wins in a row or the disappointing but still very dangerous Tennessee Volunteers? Tony, Will, and I break down the game at length, make our predictions on who we think will win, and take a look around the country at some other big games of interest. Oh, and... Make sure you stay tuned until the last five or so minutes of the show as we invite two very special guest pickers to give their thoughts and score prediction for the Georgia-Tennessee game. So without further delay, put that car on cruise control, sit back, and get ready for a jam-packed episode as we reach the midpoint of the college football season. Here we go. So what time did you leave the game? Did you stay? You didn't. Did anybody stay till the end of the bell? I, stayed, I don't leave. I don't leave the really? Mm-mm. You sat there through the end of the fourth quarter, I and did. I have. I don't know if you saw my blog post, but I have a thing about that. I, I really feel strongly that if I'm going to be there when they reach the top, I need to feel like I was there when they were not at the top. I, it's just. I don't. It's a thing. It's a thing for me. Uh, you're not wrong, by the way. Like I, I find, I find more shame that I left. I was with my wife, so that changes it a little bit. Yep. That like, and uh, it was raining cats and dogs. Well, of course, of course, of course. But like, you know, if I would have been by myself or had been like, if I'd have been sitting next to you, Tony, I'd have stayed. Well, and clearly, my wife wouldn't let me leave. So yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that it is a shame that you know that because you know my my wife comes with me to one game a year, and uh, the last two have been wins. It was uh, Tennessee last year and LSU the year before. So this really was a reversion to the mean for Alexa. Yeah, she, uh, yeah, the, the mo, uh, it's funny, you know, because we had only been dating for about two, I guess we've been dating for like two years when, uh, no, it's longer than that actually, when the, when the SEC championship game happened, but it was, uh, uh, one, a side of my wife I'd not seen yet. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, it wasn't a bad side, it was just a different side. So, but I was glad, you know, I, it is. I'm. I am with you. I have to say that's something that's changed. I think I've, I've actually written whole pieces about the more the the moral about staying to the end of the game almost as being like a moral compass, and uh, and and don't leave early and so on. But I have to say, as I've gotten older, particularly since I've had kids, uh, generally speaking, I don't leave early. But uh, uh, certainly, I no longer think that my viewpoint trumps anybody else's the way that I used to. It's probably the best way to put it. Well, and I think that's probably right. But I. I still feel very strongly because I sit. I agree with you. I agree with you. Regretfully, I sit with people who are. um, (coughs) uh, I sit around a lot of very good fans and I sit around some fans who are um, less enjoyable to sit with, Mm. even when we're winning. Yeah. yeah. They're Uh, complaining the whole time. Yeah. In fact, and for for the record, that's not just a Georgia thing. You see those people everywhere. You see those people everywhere. I've seen an awful lot of. um, I've seen an awful lot of the. 
Georgia has the worst fan base. Trust me, Georgia doesn't have the worst fan base. Yeah. That is, uh, that's probably Florida. But um, oh. the, uh, yeah, or uh, any number of schools, actually. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we hold thing, but I mean, for good examples. We had, I had two guys sitting two rows behind me who literally spent the entire first half yelling, put Ramsey in. <laughs> that sounds like uh, fun. And, and that, then, that sounds like fun. It, well, it, you know, I, I I had fun with that when, of course, he threw the interception. I turned, I was like, well, you got yeah, Ramsey in. Go. Well, I was like, no, no, you wrote the, you, you want, this is your horse. <laughs> you ride him now. Uh, and, of course, uh, after the second interception, they didn't stick around long, for, long enough for me to yeah. come up with a snarky comment. No, I, I, I am with you. You know, one of the things, Tony, I like actually talking to you about this stuff. We, we even got the, kind of got this in the, uh, in the post-game show uh, on Sunday was – you know, I, to me, it's very exhausting. And, you know, I feel like my kind of whole career is based on the notion that these inbreded, uh, deep-seated, oh, this is just the narrative about this program, whether it's football or baseball or, or network or whatever it is, this notion like, oh, well, Yankees are just this, or the Cardinals are just this, or the Knicks are just this, when the fact is these are all different human beings playing different games all different times. And these are sm- these tend to be smarter people than we give them credit for that are running this stuff. So I appreciated, even though while I felt obliged to to interrogate you about it, I appreciated the pushback against the... Oh, here comes Georgia, Georgia again. Because frankly, that's not what happened. They lost to a better team. Yeah, and I look. I can be proven wrong. If we go into Knoxville and do this, yeah, then then there's no denying. Then you can say it's a Georgia. Yeah. Georgia Ing is not losing to Alabama in the SEC championship right, game. Right. It is not losing to Alabama this year. Georgia Ing is going into losing to Florida last losing, year. Losing to Florida as badly as we lost right. to Alabama, and I would actually right. say that Florida beat us worse last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with all the rush yards. I mean, you know, the score didn't reflect that, but I would say that they beat us worse. And I, I think Bo Conley would say that if you yeah. were to look at his advanced metrics. Um, so, you know, I I get it. It's a simple – as a matter of fact, I I made a point of um, muting a couple of national writers uh, who drew that comparison because I got – it's frankly, it's lazy. Yeah. To simply say, and I'm not, I'm not calling you lazy, but actually to oh, say, no, no. I'm asking. That's why I felt obliged to. to I mean, well, and I, yeah, the I think, question has to be asked. Of course, it has to be asked. Yeah. I get that, but then, but to to make a comparison, to put in your article, you know, 2007 Tennessee, 2012 South Carolina, 2014 South Carolina, 2014 Florida, 2015 Alabama. It frankly is just it is just basically listing losses where everyone thought Georgia was going to win. And one of those is very much not like the others. Yes, but it's also worth knowing. You know, I wrote a piece about this. If I can go to Sports on Earth and find it, I think you put it on. Uh, I saw mm-hmm. you put it on. It was Twitter a great, well. it was a great piece. And to me, what I was trying to capture with that piece, yes, there is obviously a difference in the games. The thing that is similar about them is, I mean, disappointment is the idea that like it came in a different context and it came against a, a superior opponent. But certainly, I don't think there's any question that there was. I mean, listen, this is my only my third year here, but you know, this was without question the most anticipated game. And we have, we you know, we were on this podcast last week talking about how, and I still agree with these things. I still agree with you on this that there is something different about what they're trying to do, and this is there is not like there there are no six win dips in Georgia's future. To there's like something different's going on, and they're doing things smarter. I agree with all that, but certainly. There's no question that the average Georgia fan. Now, I'm not saying these people behind you, these people behind you yelling Bryce Ramsey the whole game, but I am saying the the average Georgia fan, if they 
you know, if you, if I ask a Georgia fan that I don't know on the street, hey, tell me about what it's like being a Georgia fan. They are not going to tell me we went ten games every year and we and, and we have a, and we run a clean program. They're going to tell me we disappoint. And maybe their maybe their expectations are unfair. I think they probably are. But certainly, it is. It seems to me, as an outsider, ingrained in somewhat ingrained in the personality of of the Georgia fan, which is not something that's specific to Georgia fans. No, like every fan, not. every fan loves to have this notion that they've suffered, that they've been through it. Because frankly, when the breakthrough actually happens you will be able to say that you were there the whole time. And no one will be like, you complained all the time. Well, who cares? You were there and you were there the whole time. Right. So I, I, that's my point is that like, I think the connection that people have about this game are not, I mean, some people are obviously like, there goes Georgia, Georgia again. But I think it's more that there was an excitement, not just about this game, but about this team. About the program. And about the direction everything was going. And now everybody has to take a step back. Yeah. And I think, um, I'm trying to think of probably Senator Blue Tarski on the Get the Picture blog actually wrote a little something about this. And something I've been thinking, Georgia is walking a line between building up experience for 16, 17, and 18 uh, while trying to do something special this season. I mean, I don't think we – and we've talked about how how green the defense is. we talked about how green the receivers are in particular. And then – we have a graduate transfer that was on came on campus August first, starting at quarterback. Now, just think if he wasn't here. Well, yeah, I, mm. I don't. I, you know, I don't know. I, it's it's hard to say what would happen. I think we saw a very quick and good example of why Lambert started over Ramsey. Say what you will about Lambert and his ability to 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 handle the pocket pressure and make good decisions. He didn't throw the balls that Ramsey did, and and the knock on Ramsey has always been. Has always been. He is more li- likely to willing to try to fling it in there than he is to tuck the ball down or throw it out of bounds. Well, you and I saw from the perspective sitting in the end zone. Actually, all three of us sit kind of in the end zone. That ball wasn't. He wasn't trying to fit it in. He wasn't anywhere close to his receiver. But right. he forced him. The first, the, <laughs> he forced yeah. both of the interceptions. Right, right. He forced. He led them. him way too much, and it was just easily well, picked I, off. I think the first, the first one, um, Coach Rick said that the receiver, he and the receiver, were on the wrong page. Um, well, he doesn't it, get as many reps. And maybe not, but if you think back last year about the belt ball, almost exactly the same thing happened. His first pass was an interception by Louisville, where a pass he threw and he he quote unquote missed the he missed he and the receiver on the wrong page. Now, I, I get how hard it is to come in cold. Uh, I don't get, I actually don't get that because I've never been a quarterback. They don't let me. They don't let me near the football. They didn't let me near the football when I played. But the fact of the matter is, is that. Our quarterback is our quarterback, and fans can be mad about that, and fans can be like, I can't believe Mark Rick, great quarterback developer, blah, blah, blah. Look, if we have a miss every five years at quarterback, this is what happens, right? But how many programs has a miss just once every five years? Well, actually, this doesn't happen because Mark Rick is the third longest serving coach in, mm-hmm. in college football. And they get fired by now. And they get fired <laughs> by now. Right. Speaking of, that's a nice segue to Butch Jones in Tennessee. Right? <laughs> uh, well, I, can I say one more thing sure. about right. Say all we want. The irony of putting Ramsey in that situation, that is the exact type of situation that Ramsey is going to fail in. Because he's yeah. behind, he feels like he's this, he needs to be the savior somehow with what Lambert's doing. That is exactly what's going to happen. To me, that's what's worrisome about putting in Ramsey there, is it seems to be an admission to Ramsey that like, hey, we need you. And mm-hmm. that plays right into Ramsey's kind of weaknesses. Of course, we're not there in the locker room at halftime. Right. So we don't know what happened, what the decision was. 
it was a little bit of a head scratching decision in my mind to do that for both quarterbacks. Yeah. Now, Lambert came in, he didn't make he didn't he from all accounts, he it didn't get in his head. He right. played exactly the same, which wasn't great, but he still right. played exactly the same and better than Ramsey. And better than <laughs> Ramsey. So, you know, I was just, frankly, was disappointed to see them put Ramsey in in that yeah. situation. Um, and we said the result. If there's a lesson to be learned from the quarterback situation, again, as you know, I've been ripping on, not ripping on, but certainly questioning. To me, this is the problem. I, I, wonder, I hope they've learned something from this, of the idea that, like, this is exactly the situation that you don't put Ramsey in. Of course, what's the situation you put Ramsey in? You know, like if Lambert's coasting and doing great, you don't put Ramsey in anyway, which makes me think that, frankly, Ramsey probably should not be the quarterback of this team. Well, Ramsey or not, the point you just said, hopefully they learned something from this. I think from a Georgia fan's perspective, it's like, why do we have to learn this lesson every year where we look just terrible either against Alabama this year, South Carolina the previous year? It, and that's what I think gets us all wound up. I would submit that every single team has a bad game every year. If you don't believe me, Ohio State had a bad game last year. The year Alabama won the national championship, one of those years, they had a terrible game against Tennessee. And but for Terrence Cody, for the first time in his life, <laughs> blocking a, a field goal that would have won the game for Tennessee. And Alabama looked Horrible in that game. Okay. I mean, frankly, look at every team that's undefeated now. Most of them have actually had a bad game this year. Ohio State looked terrible last or week. Or will have a bad game. Yeah, that's the point. It was like, even already they have. Like, Michigan State almost lost to Purdue last week, which is <laughs> <Yeah>. staggering. <laughs> Go Cats. Go Cats. And Northwestern's actually winning. I know, that's right. right. Yeah, they're projected by somebody in the Final Four, the playoff. I mean, the path is open for them. It is, but, which is sad to say. <laughs> I've lost Sorry, my train of thought. I just can't do that. I can't even do that. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think the the other thing that grinds our grits, being Georgia fans, is that we don't seem to get that luck. Auburn got so lucky. I mean, okay, you know, they, they did. And then Florida's gotten lucky in the past. Bama, like you mentioned with Cody. We just feel like, think back to what, 99 or, or whenever it was, maybe early 2000s, we were down in Baton Rouge playing LSU. We had this furious comeback. Tyson Browning takes one all the way down the sideline. It would have been one of the greatest plays in Georgia history. And then LSU comes back with, what is it, Matt Mock? Not Matty Mock, but maybe Matt Mock yeah. and scores. Matt Mock, the dentist. Now. You know, <laughs> very rich dentist. And so is his backup, Matt Flynn, who's a rich backup. Anyway, I don't know where that that came from. But, you know, I think that's what it is. It's like, think back to maybe a game or a season where we just had the the horseshoe in our back pocket. It just doesn't feel like maybe we're too close to it to see it. Well, I, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that— I want some luck. Yeah, I, I would like some luck. But you know, I said it in our uh, the podcast that came out Monday. I feel better about this game now than if we had— if we had lost by three points, disappointingly, or had blown out Alabama. Why, you think we would have been lackadaisical? Uh, this game, because we, we had a lot in our heads. It appeared to me, as a football team, we had a lot in our heads that we were just going to waltz in there and beat Alabama because— because there was some hype there. I think we saw it with the pregame and I'm, you know, I'm not, Oh yeah. When they're, I'm not going to get into that because up. it's, you know, that's, it's, it's kids. And I was, I was 18 to 23 once. And, uh, heavens knows I made some, that was made a long time ago. Decision. It was a long time. The ago. El Camino was popular back then. El Camino was popular then <laughs> and not the black keys album. Uh, the model T, the model T, not the black keys first album. Did they have face masks back then? <laughs> they did not even have Facebook back then, but Thinking about this week and other games going forward, 
we're very familiar with playing in this situation. And actually, absent last year, have, have played extraordinarily well coming off this situation. And the, the upside is that it was a much better football team. I mean, I don't think you can look at Alabama. Alabama might lose another football game this season, and it's possible. We are not going to be their gateway to bowl eligibility like we were for South Carolina and Florida last year. Okay. We're just not. Good point. And, you know, when you talk about the matter of luck, I mean, you could make an argument that the bad luck this year, which is, frankly, you played Alabama on the rotation of the schedule and a season that if you get, say, Mississippi State or if you get Arkansas, yeah. the one that comes this year. Yeah, you made is, that point last week. And it's, yeah, this is, a game, this is a game that you win. Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden, everyone's like, "Here comes Georgia." Yeah, Georgia's the real deal. But whereas the fact is, in a couple of years, and I'm not to not to keep kicking the can down the road, but in a couple of years, when Georgia's a little bit closer, they've got Mississippi State at home, for example. Like maybe that's the luck. Is the idea that the way the schedule is going to fall, luck really? Like we can talk about in game luck, but I feel like in game luck is a fumble bounces here or there. Like we can talk about luck in that context, but to me, a lot of times, the bad luck of this is not only did you get Alabama with a team that. At this point of the season, is not quite there. You got Alabama that was coming off a loss. You got Alabama that was coming off an SEC loss. And the idea that they felt like they had something to prove in a way that they might not have if they'd have beat Mississippi. Well, I think Nick Saban's uh, press conference Monday bore that out, right? He was fired up at the media. And I think that was a lot of motivation both for focusing his team and for the focus of their coaching staff, because let's be clear, they had a really, really great game plan for Georgia's offense and their game plan for the defense, uh, particularly as it as it related to running their pass routes and exploiting what they saw as obvious weaknesses with our pass coverage was very good. Because Jake Coker's a very good quarterback, but he hasn't been a seventy percent quarterback this season. So, well, I, pu- I pulled up the two thousand sixteen Georgia football schedule and. The SEC schedule, I guess, hasn't been set, or at least according well, they to. they know who they're playing. Yeah, we know who we're playing. They know who we just playing don't know when. Yeah, we don't have the. They they won't set the dates until yeah, it'll be a while. February, yeah. maybe. So are they going to keep messing around, like with you know how we have Vanderbilt well, first? I have, this year? A, I have it right in front of me. Okay. Who their who their flex SEC West? Okay. Because so of course Auburn is one. Yeah, we play Ole Miss there, right? Right. Now, next year it's at Ole Miss, which yeah. sounds okay. kind of fun. Yeah, uh, I'm going. That's a great place. Uh, 2017 is home against Mississippi State. Yes. 2018 is at LSU. 2019 is home against Texas A&M. 2020 is at Alabama. 2021 is home against Arkansas. Then you're back Mississippi State, Mississippi, Texas A&M, LSU. This is why, of course, Alabama. If the schedule continues to go the way that it is, and it may change if they if they if they shift it, you're looking at 2027 at the earliest. Right after the Nick next... Saban wins his 17th national championship. Yes, and then uh, and, and it's definitely still not going to Texas. <laughs> yeah. So to me, like that is that's luck. Like that's luck. There's yeah. a lot of teams that are getting Al- they're getting Auburn this year. Yeah, that thought they were getting really bad luck going into the yeah. season, and are now getting good luck going yeah. into the season. Yeah, or South Carolina. Yes, exactly, exactly. Will that game be played in Columbia this weekend? I don't know. They they're talking about it. I, I, you would think they'd have to make that decision tomorrow at the latest. Uh, I mean, and think about that. That's the that's the the West team that's not always on their schedule. LSU, you yeah. got Leonard Fournette. I mean, the, yeah. the Columbia could use the the boost of the uh, yeah. revenue or something, but they just might not be ready for it with all the floods. Yeah. And I think, I think really the decision is, is that can they get, can their fans get there safely? Because there right. are a lot, I mean, I 95 is closed for like a 74 mile stretch between I 26 and I 20 wow. on the coast. Um, I 23 Columbia is closed basically from 
the other side of Lexington to just past the airport. Uh, Columbia is what, two hours, 15 minutes from here to the east? Uh, more like three and a half. Two and a half hours? The, yeah, I, the, I drive the, faster. but Yeah, the, dis- the discussion. It's just amazing that it, it just pummeled well, them. Yeah, we were around the edge of it. I mean, we got three inches here. They got a, basically a trace in Macon. Wow. Yeah, if, if you're in Macon and you're listening to this, please don't take the time to correct me that you got an inch and a quarter, okay? But <laughs> it was different. Actually, try that. We would like to hear you correct us because we'd like to know where our listeners are listening from. Or you can just rate us on iTunes. Either either's fine. You have to. I think it's rate and review. Right? Rate really and review. Yeah, and we've gotten fifteen reviews and ratings, and I think ten or eleven people have taken the time to write comments, and we read every single one of them, and a lot of them have been very nice. I know Bernie Dog wrote something that was very clever, where. Waiting since last Saturday for my next podcast or something, podcast yeah. episode. I don't, I don't know. I should have pulled it up to read it verbatim. But anyway, we do appreciate all of the listeners tuning in. Yeah. Can I say Can I say the one highlight of Saturday, the one good thing that happened on Saturday? I met UGA Carey. UGA Carey was, <laughs> at, our, was UGA at our tailgate. Carey. She was. She was. She, was. At she the and her husband came in. I, both, met, both I missed she, her by five minutes. Both she and him were fantastic. Yep. I was very happy to meet them both. It was it was good to see them. And actually, the dog sports crowd, the SB Nation's yeah. uh, blog for uh, University of Georgia, all those guys uh, yes. were there. And they have their own podcast. They committed to the G podcast. Committed to right? the G podcast. So they all, they all were there and showed up. And I had... Former students from the University of Illinois, one from L.A., one from Chicago, and one who is an Alabama fan that practiced all in Atlanta. They were there, so it was wow. really it, we had a we had an all star all star tailgate, it which really is was pretty fun. impressive considering. Yeah, we had thirty five people uh, all crowded under yes. three tents. I am happy to say that all the all nearly all the pork was gone, all the mm-hmm. sides were gone, many many libations were gone. Yes, and you had Brian Leach. Brian Leach, Brian Leach was always always so much fun to have. Brian Leach is a fun man. Your dad's awesome. He's an enjoyable. <laughs> he is human awesome. Being. He is a fun guy. But all right, so speaking, we talk of, about Tennessee, speaking no? of fun things, I have to say, just starting with the Tennessee thing, we can talk about how Georgia fans have it rough and how frustrated <laughs> they are. But man, oh man, remember, that, let's think about how this season has gone for them. Not only have things, before things have, have even gotten to the point they are now, they have this game against Oklahoma where it looks like they're going to win. Oh, they were locked up. And, yeah. and, and everything is set up for them. The crowd, this excitement level that everyone has had for Tennessee this year, these all of these people picking Tennessee to win the SEC East, all of that building up to that moment, that was the game we said from the beginning. We will find out who Tennessee is in this game. And for three quarters, it looked like, oh, we know who Tennessee is in this game. And then we found out, no, they're actually Tennessee. And it really feels like things have spiraled out of control since then. Well, the funny thing is, after that game, we really thought they still were Tennessee, mm-hmm. right? But then they did it the week after that, yeah, and then the week after that, and then last week. Um, although you can make the argument that Butch Jones didn't coach, coach him out of the win last week. It's also scary because think about the fact that they did take a double-digit lead on basically everybody they've lost to this year. Yeah. And what if— Oh, I'm not going to feel comfortable unless we're down yeah. by two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> You should spot him to it on on principle. Well, actually, what we should do is just take we should take three knees and then go for it on fourth down. Because, yeah, exactly, because they they do have fourth and Jancic. You have to wonder, you know. Clearly, I think what we're learning from that about those double digit leads, Tennessee, the talent that we thought Tennessee had. And remember, not just coming into the season. Let's not forget that was a tough game last year when Georgia played Tennessee at Sanford. That was one of that was probably the toughest. Other than the Georgia Tech game, which ended up lost, that was probably the toughest home game that they had last year. That was to me. That was the moment where I was like, "Man, Tennessee is coming." I think a lot right. of their fans felt the same way. They knew the talent wasn't necessarily there, but they played hard to the end. They made it very difficult for Georgia. So for me, I have to say, 
Butch Jones stuff aside and all, and we can all, we can all laugh at Tennessee. I do find this a legitimate surprise to see this kind of collapse happen. It's surprising to see. Yeah, I think all three of us picked Tennessee to finish second in the Easily, East, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I we picked Auburn to win the West. I wrote them down. I know we didn't. That didn't happen. No, I did. No, not the podcast. <laughs> you. Picked I them. picked Auburn to win the West. <laughs> but you know the the thing about it is that Tennessee does have the talent. I mean, I, say what you want, and Butch Jones's assistants have fallen on the sword for him on more than one occasion. Tennessee. And at least two of the three games there that we we talked about, they got coached out of a win, and that's hard. I mean, that happens. It does happen, and we saw that with Mark Rick early in his career. And before you start pinging our Twitter saying he still does it, let's let's be clear. <laughs> There's a difference between whatever you want to say about pre- preparedness or game planning. And just basically making decisions that anybody that coaches the high school level yeah. up knows not to make. And freezing late. And f- yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's exactly right. So, you know, to me, that is, it was amazing the number of people I saw that picked Georgia to beat Alabama, but to lose at Tennessee. Yeah. I saw that mm-hmm. very, very often. Well, that's what I was talking about a few minutes ago. If we'd yeah. beaten Alabama, if we, you know, we'd, if we'd storm rush Alabama the way they, they, they raced us, I would be far more nervous about this game because we've seen that. I mean, that's, that would be Georgia. Yeah. That would be Georgia. But the concern here is what they've always said about Tennessee is they come close in these games, but they just never get their big win. I think people were thinking this was going to be the big win for them. If if, if Tennessee beats Georgia, it's not going to feel like a big win for them. It's going to feel like everything is still terrible and things went wrong. Like right now, it's hard to see how if Tennessee wins this game, it really saves Jones all that much or counts as his big win, which to me, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but if that is the case, that speaks to the entire mindset and the whole idea that things are turning just bad there. Well, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit because okay. they circle a few games on their schedule. Not to say that it's a big win, but it also, but if, if Tennessee wins this game, they're excited and they're very happy to beat Georgia. I don't know if they necessarily take that from being like, oh, our program is actually fine. Well, this is. But a, I don't know. If, you you if guys they, know better than me. If they win this game, it's a gateway win to a bowl game for them. Yeah, but they wanted a lot more than a bowl game this this year. Well, they've lo- they've lost five in a row to Georgia. Yeah. Also. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. it's not quite to the Florida level of an aptitude right, right, they have, right. but Tennessee fans are going to circle because they they consider Vandy the way we consider Tech, right? They're going to circle Alabama always first. They're going to consider Florida and Georgia kind of in that same level, and I, I would say they want to be Florida more because they've beaten Georgia more right. recently. That doesn't mean that. What you're saying on on the back end isn't true. Yeah, as a as the ball nation goes, yeah, there's still a lot of questions about Butch Jones, a lot of questions about the football program and the leadership the football program is getting. But this is the sort of game where they got something to latch onto, right. uh, much in the same way the win in '97 against Florida was something for us to latch onto. Right. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Is that I mean, South, is right that, there? Yeah, that's right. You know that. You know, is game. that South Carolina beating Georgia last year? Is that their thing to latch onto? Because that's, I mean, that's my argument. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. But yeah. I mean, do you think a lot of South Carolina fans looked last year and be like, okay, well, well I mean, you, be- guys, you guys know the rivalries better than I do. But certainly, I think the general consensus in South Carolina is last year was a big disappointment. Things are going wrong, even though we beat Georgia. Well, put the analogy on Georgia. Frankly, the reason Mark Rick is not on any sort of hot seat is he rarely loses to Georgia Tech. He has beaten Florida more than any coach in the last, since, since Steve Spurrier started coaching that. And he's done well against Auburn. He's done well against Auburn. And he's done extraordinarily well against Tennessee. He's 10-4 and four against Tennessee. 
Those are the reasons Mark Rick's not on the hot seat. Then, frankly, those are the reasons Mark Rick didn't get fired in 2010. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe you can make the argument, that, hey, look, you know, one bad season out of 10, you can't, you, you really, right. he's earned the opportunity to turn this thing around. So, Which he has, by he the way. He has, absolutely. <laughs> now, there's there's an easy, easy, very right. not silent minority that would say he hasn't, but right. I just disagree with that. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, again, outsider guy, but like to me, I mean, that's this is the definition of turning around. Like, right. You know, and, and yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. And, but to me, Tennessee looks like a program that, well, I mean, the, the rap on them is not that they're not talented. The rap on them is that they find ways to lose games. And I was about to say, the reason everyone got so excited about Tennessee is that they have done a really good job of improving their recruiting over the. Because they got um, nothing in the state. They well, have yeah, to go nationally. They do have to go nationally. And because, frankly, Georgia and Alabama cherry-pick the best players from Tennessee. I mean, we have three of the best players to stay at Tennessee on our team right now. A lot of the reasons why they picked Tennessee is that a people pick Tennessee is like, you know, well, Georgia's going to Georgia, right? Yeah. The same reason a lot of people picked Alabama to not finish first. It's like, well, if you're going to get Alabama, this is the year. It's right. almost reverse right, logic, right, right. right? Not not because Auburn, they felt like Auburn was better than Alabama, but it was the – well, if you're going to get Alabama, this is the year to do it. How concerned – let's look at it from the Georgia side. It's funny because, you know, we've talked about the idea that, okay, maybe this thing is spiraling out of control if Georgia loses this game this weekend. But to be fair, there was a notion from the very beginning of the year. We all thought it here. Tennessee is the second-best team in the division. Sure. They have, they have the second-most talent. Is there – it feels like a loss to Tennessee, and we'll get into whether we think that's going to happen. But it feels to me a loss to Tennessee, a team that's as talented as them – even with their recent struggles, it feels to me that it should be less shameful than it will be perceived as if they lose this game. Or, or is it as equal? Is it equally shameful? I don't know. It's it's so hard after this week. You know, if we had beaten Alabama and go in there and lose to Tennessee, I think exactly the same virtual we just, we right. saw this week would happen. If we go in there and lose this week, I don't think the wheels come off. Uh, I, I get what you're saying, but. It certainly adds credence to the Georgia wasn't where everyone thought they right. were. I think the I think the interesting part about it will be what happens because we have some fairly serious uh, things to fix on special teams in particular. Mm-hmm. We have some things to look at on offense and defense that are all fixable mm-hmm. uh, with with a couple of exceptions. Which is we really only have two good, really good receivers right now, and only one of those right now you can count on to catch passes. It's not that Terry Godwin can't. It's just a, he's a True freshman. So, you know, it will be really interesting to see what we do to work in the tight ends and running back passes. I mean, you know, I said last week if Michelle gets 12 or 14 targets, you know, out of, in 120 yards, he has, they have a long day. He got nine touches running the ball for, what, 32 yards yeah, or something. Nothing, right. uh, and then he had three passes thrown to him. Well, that's 12. but That's <laughs> not, not the right 12. It's not the right 12. Um, <laughs> right. We had a game plan. Alabama was committed to taking that game plan away, and we didn't adjust to that. And there was no backup plan. There was no backup plan. There was no plan B. And more importantly, we didn't even spend halftime. The only plan B at halftime was to put Ramsey in. Yeah. That's what it looked like. Yeah. What's the status on uh, McKenzie? He's Hammond? traveling, but he's not listed as a returner this week. That looked week. pretty bad when he grabbed it yeah. and could barely walk off the field on Saturday. He's traveling, but it would be extraordinarily surprising to me if he played. Are there any other injuries to worry about? Reggie Carter's gone for the season with the shoulder. Um, 
I saw a little snippet was about McGraw, but I don't know. He's traveling. I thought I saw something about Cablano. Cablano is a probably a game time decision. I, I hadn't saw if he practiced. Today is Tuesday. I didn't see if he practiced today. I know he did not practice yesterday. But think about it. Five games of the year were pretty good injury wise. Yeah, we've been we've been really lucky. We've been very lucky. I mean, we lost basically our number one A receiver in training camp, and that's it. And, and ego bruised. Uh, well, the ego is no, definitely oh. ego, comma bruised yeah. on the on the injury chart. Yeah. No question. Yeah. yeah. So I was watching the CBS. Well, no, it wasn't CBS. It was uh, ESPN last week. The Arkansas Tennessee game. Who was doing the game? They were pretty. They were doing a good job. The announcers. I can't remember. I didn't remember who it was. That was after a very long day. Yeah. Uh, ever, all I saw was blood at that point. <laughs> yeah. At, at Tennessee was getting their tooth kicked in. <laughs> So I was watching as Arkansas took the lead. I think they were up by like four because they yeah, didn't. They faked a field goal, which was a dumb move. I and mean, that'll get you fired. <laughs> In the fourth quarter, they fake a field goal. So the announcers, and I, I forget who the color guy was, but he pointed out about Josh Dobbs, said that his QBR was the absolute, or basically the lowest in the SEC in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And then shortly after he said that, he throws an incomplete pass and the drive is over. And I found that fascinating. And because I think when I hear Josh Jobs, I'm thinking like, wow, junior quarterback, it's got a lot of uh, potential and weapons around him. Well, actually, you bring up something I was going to talk about when we actually started about game analysis is that Tennessee's offense shouldn't surprise anybody. It gets stagnant in the second half of the game. Uh, Dobbs QBR basically goes 159 and 127. This is by quarter. 159 in the first quarter, 127, 133. And 104 in the fourth quarter. Passing-wise, 137 on first down, 149 on second down, 103 on third down. And that is uh, – No, that's not QBR. That's the pass, passing oh, – the passer rating. Well, yeah. But QBR is the thing that ESPN made up. Yeah, it was, it's, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, not, I'm not buying yeah. – Look, I don't use Apple products, so I'm not the man. I, I go with I go with the old school. This is straight from uh, college football stats. Marty Kubian's great <laughs> site. So uh, QBR is is maybe good and may not be good. We don't know because they won't tell us about. Yeah, it. they don't so tell us. They trust, say it's zero through a hundred. Trust us. Trust us. Yeah, yeah Trent Dilfer could explain. We know what we're talking about here in Bristol. Can you get Trent Dilfer on the podcast uh, let's for us? And not do that. Let him know. yell at us and scold us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, the but, but talking about that. On third down, what we have to watch out for is that they run the ball. I mean, they have tendencies. They're very traditional. They run the ball twice as much as they pass it on first down. They pass the ball about as much as they run it on third down. On third and short, they run it almost universally. Anything beyond third and short, they pass it. And they are not good at passing the ball on third down when they do. You know, they've basically gotten five first downs on 19 attempts. Third and seven plus or seven for 19. And – Basically, the key to this game for Georgia, absolutely the key, the key to this game, is keeping Dobbs from hurting you, hurting them with their legs, keeping Jalen Hurd from hurting you on first down, and suddenly Tennessee is in a hole yeah. that they can't get out of. I mean, statistically. It feels like the type of day, game that plays into Georgia's hands the way that Georgia's offense played into Alabama's. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, they're giving up four, almost four and a half yards of carry. Um that that number really spiked last week with Alex Collins. What are, uh, what's their interior line like? Will they be able to kind of stuff Chubb or? Yeah, uh, I mean they have a good interior line. Their defensive line is really good. Certainly not as good as Alabama's. Right. You know, if you watch any of that game, uh, Collins, especially in the second half, was just ripping off yeah. five, six, seven yeah. yard runs. I have to think that this is going to be the kind of game, and 
know, I don't know if we've officially segued into game analysis. This is the kind of game I think we saw against Vanderbilt, frankly. I mean, it's not going to be pretty. I think we're going to keep it very vanilla. You have to think that Tennessee, uh, John Jancic, despite us making jokes about him, is actually a pretty decent defensive coordinator. Uh, He's going to copy what Alabama did. They're going to try to take away the quick slant. Uh, They're going to make uh, Georgia beat them with the run. And the difference between Tennessee and Alabama's defense is I think we can. Now, we can't give them 21 or 14 to 21 points and do that because then we're playing from we're playing from a position of not being able to use a power run game to do what, frankly, Georgia wants to do. Basically, we looked like Alabama did against Mississippi, except for we were a lot less confident than Alabama was against Mississippi. But Alabama got behind. They were playing. They basically were playing against luck and everything else against Mississippi, and they couldn't rely on what they wanted to rely on, which was Coker with quick passes and handed the ball to Henry up the middle, Henry and Drake. Um, and once that happened, that put Alabama in a position of having to come from behind all, solely on, on Coker. Well, that happened with Georgia. I mean, we talked about it on the podcast Monday. That game went from this cute little 10 3, like mm-hmm. it was going to be a SEC 330 slobber knocker, to oh my God, it's 24 to 3 at halftime yeah. in the course of literally a minute and 45 yeah. seconds of game time. And there was no way back. After there was that. no way back after that. Mm-hmm. So that leads to the question, can Georgia – is this a take a 17-9 lead at halftime and then just let Chubb run them down in the second half? Or is this a – like when we talk about having a vanilla game, I mean they, they were very vanilla against Vanderbilt. It's also worth noting that they didn't actually wipe out Vanderbilt. Like that game got was – I think sure. clearly Georgia was sure. a better team and clearly they, they the game was never really in danger. But also – if that game is as close late at one point against Tennessee as Vanderbilt was, people are going to be sweating a little bit. This game has all the possibility of being one of those 24-17 housings where Georgia beat them 24-17. They score a late touchdown on some sort of crazy play. A backdoor cover. No, I guess the line is three. Well, but still, but no, it it has all the makings of that. Uh, This game would not surprise me in the least if Georgia puts together one of those Mike Bobo wet dream kind of nine minute drives in the fourth quarter that just basically salts (laughs) the game away where Georgia gets a field goal from first and goal from the five. Although if we drive the ball down and take nine minutes to do it, but Georgia has almost mastered the art of that over the past few years. We hadn't been in the situation to need to do that, but I mean, that's what we did against Tennessee last year. We did that against Florida two years ago. I mean, we got the ball with nine minutes left and basically we we had a 17 play drive that covered 55 yards and took seven and a half minutes of game time. And, you know, by the time Florida got the ball back, they had no time to do anything. And that's, this has all the makings of that. And frankly, I'll take that. I don't, I said I would take three to two wins all the season. I will. I really will. I think this game has potential to be higher scoring than three to two. Um, but, you know, Georgia Georgia played the worst possible game they could – not the worst possible, a very bad game and a lot of facets of the game against Alabama. It would be pretty shocking to me if we played exactly the same way again. The problem with three to two games, though, is – You can always lose. Yeah, and like the problem with three to two games is like it's easy to say afterwards, oh, yeah, I'd be totally hampered if we won every game three to two. But at the time, you're like you don't know that you're winning three to two, right. and all it takes is one little mistake – on special teams, oh. where to where that can go down. And Scott, I'm curious your thoughts on this, that like, what does it mean, this Tennessee kind of dominance that they've had? Like, it's not as intense as Florida, but certainly there is, it's, when I look at Tennessee, it seems to me, this is a team that's already reeling. 
the last thing they need is a game against a team that generally owns it. Well, I was in college when we were in the midst of losing, what, 10 in a row to Tennessee ourselves from the Heath Schuler administration to Peyton Manning. We couldn't get over the hump. And then 2000, Jim Donnan comes along and we rip our goalpost down. And it was fabulous. I was in the stadium that night. To answer your question, the five-game win streak, we used to have all kinds of win streaks against teams back five, six years ago. We had one against Kentucky. We had one a long one against Vanderbilt because they lost in 1994 against Vanderbilt, and then they rattled off like 13 or 14 in a row. We had the seven in a row or six. What We were trying to tie the record uh, against Georgia Tech, and then Paul Johnson beat us with Roddy Jones. And um, it was a Josh Nesbitt at quarterback back – well, yeah. I don't know, five years ago. So to have a streak is so important. I, I think it's just kind of an intangible that really needs to stay intact. And I think we need to go for six. You know what the Tuberville, Tuberville, when he said one for the thumb, I think that's what we need to do, go for six in a row. So it is very important because we, we broke a streak in South Carolina this year, thank God. I don't. I can't think of really many other long streaks either for us or against us right now. So I think we need to up this to six. And, you know, it's worth noting, too, that this doesn't feel like a Tennessee team that ends that streak. Not with what maybe maybe if they pull off a couple of these wins going in. But right now, that doesn't look like a team that, that is in much of a mental position and a coach who's really in a comfortable position to where he, he can get the best out of, a, out, of a, out of a fan base that's clearly discouraged and a team that has to be here on it. I think there's an argument that could be made that Tennessee is just this close to winning all yeah. these games. And actually, Butch Jones said that. And it's hard It's hard for a fan, a Tennessee fan to hear, you know, look, we're, what, 16 points from 5-0. and And, and that's true. Right. They they are 16 points from 5-0. We're 16 points in six minutes from 5-0. Right. So at some point, you got to think, if it weren't for the coaching, I would buy that. Because let's be clear. They haven't lost these games because of bad luck. They've lost these games because of decisions Bush Jones has made. It, it, you're, I think you're right. This does not feel like a game that uh, if Georgia comes in and plays even like they played against uh, you know Vanderbilt or let's say they play like they did against Vanderbilt, they're going to lose. Now, it's going to be uncomfortably close. Right. If they play like they did against South Carolina, I think it's easy to see South Carolina is not at all near where we thought they were at the beginning of the season. We could house Tennessee because Tennessee has the potential to fall apart because – Basically, it's Jalen Hurd, uh, Jalen Hurd, and Josh Dobbs on offense. I mean, that's it. Pig Howard's still there. Hurd is a very effective passer when he's not rushed. Um, I'd look for Jordan Jenkins to have the, kind of the breakout. I'm sorry, Dobbs. You know, I'd look for Dobbs to you know them try to establish the passing game. Dobbs can hurt you. You know, we didn't see much of Floyd and Jenkins against Alabama. They did a good job of of basically blocking and isolating them. You know, we saw what they were capable of doing last year after what happened in Florida because both those guys were kind of bad on the edge rushes against Florida, and then they came out against uh, they came out and it just really really played really lights out against Kentucky the next week. So it wouldn't surprise me if those both those guys have big games. That spells bad things for Dobbs. Yeah. All right, was well, it uh, is it time to make a pick? We'll save it to the end. Yeah, we'll, let's do. I've already lined up the order that we're oh, going to do our picks got it, in. Got it. 
So that concludes our analysis on the game, and we will give our final analysis in just a few minutes now as we go through our picks. Now we're in the section of the yeah, yeah. No, this well, is, is Actually, that's, that's called the lightning round. The lightning in round. The the lightning round it's actually is. a wild-ass guess, but we're, uh, <laughs> they call it a lightning round. You won't actually think about this at all. That's, why, that's what they mean when every time you hear lightning round. I love it. So this part has evolved into my favorite part of the podcast. All right. The fun office pools picking. Oh, and by the way. Yeah, I how's think the standings? I think um, you know, Carrie is no longer ahead. No, she well, is. She, didn't she put Georgia she, at tw- fifteen? Did she she tweeted that out yeah. earlier this week, also that she was no longer ahead. But she's only like three points out of first place as it stands through five weeks. You, we'll just give it to the the leader who is Polar Shark. I enjoyed saying that on the Monday podcast. I have. Do you know the guy? I don't know Polar Shark okay. at all. He's done well. He's forty four and twenty with a total of three hundred thirty three points. There's still a pretty uh, pretty good. Uh, not that much of a spread in the top 10, right? No, because UGA Carey is only three points behind at 330. Now, getting to the three of us, if you scroll down, somebody (laughs) made quite a jump this week. I'm now at 26. Wow. I had a good week. I don't remember what I did. Despite picking Georgia. I did not pick Georgia. Oh. No, no, yeah, I did pick Georgia. So, yeah, despite, I think, and I think I had him pretty high in my confidence. I think I only missed two. Or maybe I missed three or four. I, yeah, I had a rough week. I I'm in the third. Anyway, somewhere. that's it's not about me. It's about everybody else. But I am only, what, 19 points behind. So Tony Waller is in 38th place, tied for 38th, with Given the Business. <laughs> I like that name. <laughs> well, Ed Hockey Lee reference. 305 points. And then where is Will? Somewhere I, below that. As I scroll down. Man, it's taking me a long time. Well, I can't find Will Leach, 93, tied for 93. Yeah, you, you have us right where you want us. Wow, there's five. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna read everybody who's tied for 93rd. Rock Hopper, 78. Means they probably were born in 78, so they're probably 37 years old. Miami Jake, Mass Dog, Raging Chubb. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And then Sharon 93. So Sharon, who graduated from Georgia in 1993, is tied with Will Leach. I will destroy all of you, all four of you. Sharon, 93, this is your last day. This is your... You know what's interesting, though? You're all notice. Is I look at who you are tied with, they all have at least 40 victories, and you only have 37, but you're tied in points. Will's the master of the confidence point. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I know it confidently. (laughs) So... Enough enough time spent on the recap. So as we get into the games that we are picking this week, we start off with a game that you probably will never see because it comes on way too late. California at Utah, which is a big game, and they're it's both kind, undefeated. It's kind of a shame that no one will be awake for this game because there's going to be so many points, and it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, Like California scores scores and gives up so many points. Utah, we've clearly seen mm-hmm. how many points they can, they can score. That That is always the problem with those like 11 p.m. Eastern time starts or whatever time they are. They're always the best games of the week. And if, yeah. if they happened during like regular times, we'd think of them the way we think of TCU Texas Tech. Like oh, these yeah. crazy, crazy yeah. awesome games. But we just forget about them because yeah. they start so late. Who do you like? I like Utah. I'm 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 all in on Utah. I'm very excited about Utah. I think Let, I think they're awesome. Let's put uncomfortable position. What time's that kickoff? <laughs> Subtract 20, 22 12. o'clock. No, that's easy, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, 10 yeah, o'clock. 10, wow. 10, 10 p.m. a.m. Listen, I'm trying to be funny. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I take Utah. 
I haven't seen Cal play since Aaron Rodgers played for him. And is Jeff Tedford still the coach? Sonny Dykes. Sonny Dykes. Former Louisiana Tech coach. Okay, see, that's about as much as I know about the Cal Bears. So, yeah, I'll go with uh, Utah. They're at home, and Kyle Whittingham plays they own well at Rice Eccle Stadium, which actually is a pretty nice little stadium. Doesn't Mitt Romney own Rice Eccle Stadium? No, 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 no. He did the Olympics thing there. And... Well, yeah, that's where the Olympics were. Okay, I thought he owned it. Maybe it was publicly funded. Is that um, what fixed it? He just bought the Olympics? Is that he bought the, the Olympics, yeah, yeah. I guess that, that's... Oh. Not that's, like I Billy guess. Payne, who, as a damn good dog, actually made it happen. Yeah. Okay, so that was our only packed... 12 game of the week and we will move to the big 12 yeah big 12 <laughs> for those of you listening at home scott was like he was like searching to make sure he had the right conference but but to be fair to get that in non-military time it's the big zero it's the big zero that's because you subtract 12 <laughs> oh there we go see they're making fun of me now scott, and, scott, and you know here's the thing the I'm, scott's face was like my son when you ask him try to divide by like a decimal <laughs> and here's the thing I'm a military brat. My dad was Air Force, so I should know that, but I don't. Sorry, Dad. I don't know it because my dad was in the Air Force as well, but that's not why I know it. So right. I, well, think, I think you can be forgiven. Okay, for what rank was your dad? My dad, I don't know. Lieutenant Colonel. Oh, my dad was a tech sergeant you did, in the Air Force. Your dad would have to salute my dad first. Okay. <laughs> cool. Anyway. Yeah, but, but, but we can tell military time, Scott. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, Man, I know he's going to toss out the rank. Go thing. <laughs> Jeez. Go Cats. <laughs> Oklahoma State Go Cats. <laughs> travels east. Gets me so much joy. To West Virginia. And WVU, that can't be right. They're a seven and a half point favorite over undefeated 21st ranked Oklahoma State. Yeah. They burn the couches there, man. That's a home field advantage. They burn those couches. And that's a night game. It's so night game. them's kids going to be a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be up. I can't wait. Yeah, that is like that. It's always good to have one of those West Virginia home against a ranked team at night because just bad things happen, man. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, I, and in fact, I, I want those things to so happen so much. I'm picking West Virginia. Not only am I going to pick West Virginia, West Virginia is going to hold Oklahoma State under 20 points. Wow. Well, my analysis, because I don't know much about either one of these teams, I, I love Dana, Hol- Dana Holgerson's hair. And I equally like Mike Gundy's hair with the styling gel that he uses in it. So I'm going to base this on hair. And you got to go with huh? You got to go with Holgerson. No, no, I do. I and I, my heart wants to pull. My heart wants to go to Oklahoma State because Boone Pickens and the fact that they're ranked and everything. But the couches, the yellow helmets they're going to wear. No, they wore the yellow helmets last week, so they'll probably go like a zero dark thirty, like a blackout helmet. West Virginia. Yeah. And so I'm going to go with. The Mountaineers. I can't let the Mike Gundy reference go by. <laughs> on Saturday, I'd like to note, uh, this Saturday, I am a man. I'm 40. Congratulations to the village. I was going to bring that up at the end. But, <laughs> but I can't let the Mike yes, Gundy. I can't yes. let the Mike Gundy can you, think Can you say it with a little more umph? No, that, I'm not. I don't should have we the umph. Come, should we come at you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm just saying I'm a man. Uh, right now I'm not a man. Right now I'm a 39-year-old child. I am. But so according to Mike so to, to Gundy, I am, I am a man. I'm so much past a man though. I'm 40 on Saturday. So the week of this podcast, I couldn't let Gundy go by without that without reference. Well, I'm still not a man then. So I will be the youngest. Well, I guess I'm still the youngest I right now. I've always been think, the youngest. I don't think Will's birthday changes that. That's right. You have to salute me now. That, that, first. <laughs> I have to salute you first. <laughs> okay. 
uh, down to the ACC. You know what? I was watching ESPN this evening, and for some reason, Herb Street had his son on TV, and he does these upset picks of the week. And his son, Chase Herb Street, picked Georgia Tech to beat Clemson. And is Clemson going to Clemsoning? That Clemson Clemsoning most, this week? That would be the most Clemsoning. It would cement right. that as a thing that I think would even go outside of college football. I think Should would, Clemson be scared of, yeah. uh, of a wounded Georgia Tech coming up to well, Death Valley? Well, if Clemson loses this game, I think when Donald Trump invariably does not win the Republican nomination, Trump will have Clemsoned it, right? No, I think <laughs> Hillary would have Clemsoned it. Oh well, Trump was yeah. never like Trump was has never even with his good numbers has never been as much of a favorite. As, yeah, I think that's right. Like I think it, like you could argue that Bush might have Clemsoned it. Yeah, you maybe. Could, Hillary would definitely be a Clemsoning. If she, if she loses to Bernie she, Sanders, she would definitely be a Clemsoning. Trump's probably not quite yeah. close enough. He's almost like Northern Illinois in two thousand. Yeah, he's he's Marshall. Marshall, yes. Yeah, he's Marshall. Plucky, upstart, yeah. no, he, appeals no. to a certain demographic. Yeah, or he's Boise State, the year that they lost in the last game of the year. And maybe yeah, okay. could have, uh, I can live with that. So, yeah, so yeah. he's, he's, he's going to kill him more. It. Wow. So a 2-3 and three Georgia Tech team is only getting 7.5 points to an undefeated 6-ranked Clemson. I think that's crazy. I know that everyone's. I know that everyone is. Clemson's going to Clemson. Georgia Tech has – fallen. I mean, it's it's really – I know that it's a different system, and but man, Georgia Tech is in trouble and now. That I don't, in a way that I don't think anyone anticipated. I like I like Clemson to cover that and win pretty easily. Yeah, uh, Clemson's defense is really well situated to, to handle their uh, Georgia Tech's offense. Um, I mean, look what they did against Notre Dame's offense, and even though Notre Dame made a comeback in that game, I don't think Georgia Tech's defense is nearly what Notre Dame's defense is. Clemson, I think Clemson's an easy cover there. I was on the Georgia Tech train earlier this year, and I jumped off of them last week. Thank goodness, you know, by taking North Carolina. But I'm going to join the Georgia Tech train again. I don't usually pull for Georgia Tech, but I do have some family that went to Georgia Tech, so I'll back them this week. And I'm going to go with Georgia Tech. Although I'll give you a little peek inside the curtain, I'm going to go with a very low confidence rating, like a one, possibly. But it feels like I'm really being kind of a rebel picking Georgia Tech. Moving on, Navy, 3.30 kickoff at Notre Dame. Navy is, Navy is undefeated, and you know maybe there's something weird. The fact that we just talked about Georgia Tech, Paul Johnson used to coach Navy, actually beat Notre Dame in Notre Dame Stadium. Notre Dame's a two-touchdown favorite. You know, the Navy-Notre Dame game always ends up being one of these crazy, I can't believe Navy is driving for the win. It just feels that way. Even after Notre Dame lost, that happens. Yeah, you yeah. have to, but not this. I think Notre Dame wins. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. Lightning round. Pew, pew, pew. Although, <laughs> I do find it interesting that both helmets are equally the same. So how do the quarterbacks decipher where they're going to throw the ball? I'm, I'm assuming they use things like, you know, they know their own players. I'm just, but no, but neither jerseys. one of them has names on the back. They don't have names So maybe the they back. don't. And yeah. how tall... What's the quarterback's name for Notre Dame now? The third. Oh, shirt? I forget. Navy's not going to throw the ball any, so don't worry right. about it. Okay. What, what's his name? Who, the quarterback? Notre Dame. Who took over for Zaire? What's that guy's name? Zaire. Zaire, whatever. Zaire's all I know. Yeah. I don't know. I've forgotten the guy's name. Not Eric. Not hmm. Eric Zaire. I, I did enjoy watching Brian Kelly's histrionics on the sideline, like when they were getting all those delay of games against Clemson. Oh, <laughs> he is a he very fun Luke, coach to watch. He makes Luke Holtz look exact, like sedate. <laughs> He's so awesome. All right, Will, I'm going to let you start with this one. Northwestern, number 13, 5-0. Oh. 
I've I've seen some publications picking them to be in the final four in the college football playoff is at Michigan, which, I mean, who would have thunk three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when Michigan was coming off a loss to Utah, that this game would be so big, number 13 versus number number 18 in the big house. Go Cuts. That's my, that's my, uh, that's my. That's your pick. Go Cuts. No way, man. <laughs> Northwestern is better than I thought they were. They're plucky. I will grant that. They still have no offense. They have a good defense. And Michigan, you know, Michigan is not the strongest offense as well. But I think Michigan is not only going to win this game, I think they are going to shut out Northwestern. They've got two shutouts already, man. Wow. I see no reason to think the Northwestern is going to be the team that uh, that scores a lot of points. On. See who Northwestern is beating. I know they're beating Stanford. They beat Stanford. They beat Duke. Click on the click on the Stanford, Northwestern Duke, Duke, Minnesota, Minnesota, and Iowa, right? Eastern Illinois, Ball Eastern State, Illinois. Ball State, Minnesota. You know, I'm. It's really easy for me to look at this game and see Northwestern as kind of like an even richer man's Vanderbilt and say, you know, look, no, their defense is really good, but it takes offense to beat Michigan. And we saw that with Utah. Yeah. To me, this is a pretty easy Michigan pick. For the record, the path for Northwestern, bring up that Northwestern schedule again. The path for them, if they win this game, does set up pretty well for them. What you actually said, the Iowa Illinois game is the maybe even for the West. For the Big Ten, yeah. Right, right now, the first there's oh. a three way tie for the Big Ten West right now: Northwestern, Iowa, and Illinois. I think that I think that game in Champaign mm-hmm. is the what the Northwestern Illinois game. Yes, it's not in Champaign. It's the Soldier Field. Oh. Is the Soldier Field this time? It's okay. the Soldier Field. Illinois, Illinois, Cubs, Illinois has, Illinois has Wrigley Field. No, Illinois has given up that that home game for the next two years. To have it at Soldier Field. Okay. So, because uh, because Northwestern wouldn't give theirs up because you know they have to make sure they have all the seats for the tarp. Yeah. Well. So yeah, um, all thirty four thousand people there. Yeah. Well, that's the thing though. I think they have thirty four thousand seats, but like ten thousand will be covered by a tarp. Yeah. Northwestern sucks. Die Northwestern. Die. So you. Picked I'm talking Michigan. to you, Ravel. <laughs> you picked. I'm you think Dar- Michigan? You think Darren Ravel listens to our podcast? Well, he would tell you exactly how much it was worth if he did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pick Michigan as well. Uh, moving on, another Big Ten matchup. The Badgers, who had a bad loss last weekend, go on the road to Lincoln, who had a bad loss last weekend. What? Come on. That was a bad loss. To, uh, to Illinois? Yeah, it was a bad loss. They're now 2-3. Uh, and three. I mean, so, well, I mean, if you consider a loss to a 4-1 and one undefeated Big Ten team bad. Well, yeah, and, and they lost. This, is, ne- lost to this is Nebraska. I mean, no, this is not Nebraska. Yeah, this, this is, is not the Tommy problem. Frazier, Nebraska. We're not talking basketball. This is not Tommy Frazier, Nebraska. Yeah, you know, it's funny. People always talk about Georgia fans having this unrealistic notion of what their fan, what 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 they should be and what they have be. If there is no fan base in all of college football that has a more unrealistic idea of Vision what they are, of their place in the world, than Nebraska. Listen, I get it. The, the college football's changed. Yeah, like college football is a different kind of game. Nebraska is just not going to be able to come in and pick off people the way that they used to. No one's going to Nebraska. No, you're not like, and the fans are still stuck in this idea that it's the it's the it's the eighties or nineties, and Tom Osborne is there, and it's not. And it's it, to me that is always going to be this revolving door of coaches because they all think it's going to be Tom Osborne again, and it's never going to be. Yeah, actually, Nebraska is just Tennessee with a different color overall. Nice. And and frankly, a less of a recruiting base. Like we talk about, uh, yeah, even we, less of yeah, a recruiting base. Like that. And, I mean, you know, hey, look, they're going to continue to turn out really, really good corn-fed linemen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the difference between Tennessee and like the University of Tennessee and the University of Nebraska, maybe what Pigeon Forge and some go kart tracks or something like that. Well, I mean, they do have Lincoln. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But it Omaha. Is, it is worth noting that game last week. 
North, Nebraska was ahead 13 to nothing midway through the fourth quarter. They had that game won. Like, that game was over. They had a third down with 55 seconds. Illinois had no timeouts left. You all take the, a knee and run the time. All they had to do, they could have punted it from, like, the 45-yard line, line. They could have punted it and put Illinois way back with, like, 15 seconds left. And they didn't. And uh, uh, Riley, uh, Coach Riley said that, that uh, Armstrong was supposed to run the ball and decided last minute to throw it. He throws it incomplete. All of a sudden, Illinois has the time left on the clock. Wes Lunt throws the ball 45 yards downfield, which he can do like that. It's yeah. kind of the most amazing thing about Wes Lunt. He's not quite the quarterback that Illinois was wanting him to be, but he's got a gun. So uh, And he hit, hits him downfield. That is a very fluke loss for Nebraska. But uh, It's still a loss. It feels like going... And, and for and, me, Wisconsin, to me, looks like a team that is ready to rebound, whereas Nebraska looks like... Nebraska's had such a rough go. They lost a game on a last-second end zone pass. They lost this weird game in Illinois. To me, that's a team that's particular... It's funny, your Tennessee analogy actually works pretty well because they've actually lost some games because of some tough coaching things as well. I think it falls apart for them. I think Wisconsin... And actually, that's where I made the the comment about Nebraska's just Tennessee with different color overalls. Mike Riley, that was a terrible look. And I, I get that he said that Armstrong was supposed to take the knee, but... I don't know that yeah. that's uh, right. and then you blame your quarterback for that too. Yeah. I mean, at that point, if that what happens, you just take the you take the yeah. hit. You don't blame your kid. Particularly when you're in your like your fifth game as coach. Yeah, like it's not yeah. like he should it, be under fire I mean, or anything. I mean, it's not like Bo Pelini saying right. you know dropping the f bomb and t- right. you know dropping the. Wouldn't you love shot. to see Bo Pelini at, watching him on the sideline like lose these games that they're well, losing? We did last year. year. No, no, but again, oh, I mean, more? just yeah, some more of it. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. All right, so who are you picking? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I, I'm going to go with uh, Wisconsin also. Another Big Ten game. Why do we have all these Big Ten games? Because the Big Ten is awesome. Because the SEC has a number of not great games. All right. Indiana, who Woo, they almost were They won. were so close. But they, but they obviously didn't know what to do at the end of the game because I saw the end of the game, and they're kind of like running around like, what do we do? Um, to be fair, that's not a position they've been yeah. in a bunch. Yeah. I mean, that was the first time I've ever seen a televised Indiana home football game. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I saw it. Um, well, someone doesn't have the third Big Ten network feed. It's Big, mm. Big, Ten, Big Ten alternate three. No, they're at Penn State. Penn State is terrible. I'm sorry, Penn State is absolutely terrible. And I got to say, I'm kind of shocked by that. Like, they've won a couple games, but, like, they don't look good at all. Hackenberg does not look like a guy that's actually playing together. I'm picking Indiana to win this game. Oh, I'm picking Indiana too because you know James Franklin's great at selling the sizzle, but obviously the coaching is not going with him to uh, to, to Happy Valley, and that's worrisome, man. If I'm Penn State, I understand they're building and they're in year two of a building thing, but if you lose a home in, 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 to Indiana, and frankly, the thing that Indiana does well is score. Yeah, and, and that Penn is State not what does they not do. do that. Now, now they are. I, I would give to to make it very clear. Franklin's basically saddled with a terrible quarterback situation. Yeah. He and, is. Yeah, and, and, a ter- and frankly, a terrible offensive line situation. Yeah, yeah an offensive and, line to go with it. But, but that doesn't change I'm picking I'm picking. Indiana. It's worrisome. If you lose at home, like Illinois doesn't lose at home to Indiana. No. If Penn State loses at home to Indiana, that's yeah. that's very scary. And I'm going to be, actually, what time's that game kickoff? I'm not trying to be funny now. <laughs> it's noon. Noon, okay. Because uh, I'm actually going to be in Indiana this weekend oh, for yeah. uh, my wife's family reunion. And we're like, well, my, the Indiana game might be on. It's like... Um, yeah, Maybe. I'm sorry. I won't be at the family reunion. I'll be, in the, I'll be out back with a piece of chicken and watch ESPN. Oh, it's CBS. Oh, crap. Okay. Not sure where you're going with that. Well, the Indiana game, I would be outvoted highly. Outvoted. Oh, I got you. You know, a lot of people say that Penn State has the best uniforms in college football. I would 
strongly disagree with that. They're boring. They need to do something to their helmet. And just based strictly on the fact that I don't like their uniforms, I'm going to go with Indiana. I have to say, it's hard to find a more, other than maybe Oregon, it's hard to find a more opposite uniform of Penn State than Indiana. Like, they will, like, eventually they're going to have, like, fully hologrammed. Oh, Indiana will wear anything. Yeah, they, they will do they don't whatever care. they can. So, Penn State is not like that. All right. Now we're down to, well, you know, I was about to say, now we're back in the SEC, but we got this Missouri. I don't even consider them SEC still, even though they've won the. <laughs> Who do they have? Even though they keep winning the SEC. Even though they East. keep winning. I know, but still, it's like in the middle of the country. But do you consider Texas A&M? No, no, they're Texas. They're in. They're in the Southwest Conference. So how long is that going to take? It's going to take a while, Tony. Like we accept. We oh, accept uh, I'll take Missouri. We Whatever. accept Penn yeah. State. We accept Penn State, Maryland, and Rutgers, particularly Rutgers. Uh, we're not quite sure about, but Penn State. I mean, it's been twenty years. You yeah. Would think it would. Yeah. It, but to me, twelve teams is enough because now, since Missouri and Texas A and M are in our conference, I don't get to see Alabama play in Sanford Stadium until my son is. In college, as a sophomore in college. I'm done fighting this battle. Yeah. I just know. Yeah, it's over. Well, I don't lose sleep over it. I'm just making a point. No, I get what you're saying. And look, I, just... I respect what Missouri's done. Yeah. I mean, I like Gary Pinkle. I think he's a great coach. They're I, just the I nicest think they're, people out there. Yeah, and their field is really cool they're looking. Cardinals how they got fans. Worth noting, they're mostly Cardinals fans. Oh, yeah, I'm dogging Cardinals fans. Oh, I'm not here. Here's the thing, Missouri. If Missouri Podcast or whatever is listening to us, I enjoy your Ferret Stadium? What is it called? Ferret. Ferret. <laughs> I would love it if they called Ferret Stadium. Yeah. I can't believe that actually there isn't someone. If someone hated Missouri <laughs> enough to denigrate them, and Kansas doesn't even count because they're so terrible, well, how can't. they're not calling that Ferret Stadium is actually kind of amazing. <laughs> I like the M. See, because I the tuned rock. in last week to the South Carolina-Missouri game as I was like getting drenched yeah. tailgating for Georgia, and I was like, wow. Nobody's at this game because you can see the M, and I was like, M, yeah. just that's talking. That's only standing room only for. Um, that's only standing room only when for Georgia students. plays up there. Oh well, you know, I guess, I guess, yeah, when Georgia. Plays. Well, I don't want to need to talk too much crap because they're coming down here next week. So anyway, Florida at Missouri. I think Florida's going to beat them. I gotta say, I would be worried. Missouri looks better. With the new quarterback, like now they've got Mock out of there, they look better. They, they look is he like, coming back or are they? No, I th- I don't think so. I think that frankly, his dad is sick, and then he gets suspended right after. Something weird yeah, is going on with Matty mm-hmm. Mock that I think everyone has just kind of accepted. It's maybe time to kind of move on. Okay, and it's not even so much him. I don't again. No one knows the actual details of it, but it doesn't sound like it's just as simple as he's being an ass. Like, right. It sounds like there's there's a lot going on over there. But frankly, that team looks better with a freshman anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure Missouri wins this game, but Florida's it, only it, favored on, by four and a half. It's on the table for him. Yeah, I think I think Florida was a beneficiary of a lot of really um, fluky stuff last week. Now they they beat Ole Miss straight up. I mean, let's not take away their win. I think that defense is just going to be a little too much for for Locke. I, I still think Florida wins. The game that is still up in the air on where it might be played due to the floods in Columbia. But um, LSU is making its first trip to Columbia in quite a few or years. Or Charlotte or Atlanta or back to Baton Rouge. Oh, that would be tough for the Gamecocks. Yeah. That would be icing on the cake. For the, what has been their season so far. Yeah. A disappointment. So number seven, LSU. You know, I noticed that Fournette leads the nation in rushing by a long shot. <laughs> Think if they would have played that first game of the year that was canceled by lightning. Yeah. Oh no, McNeese State would have shut him down. Yeah. Well, so actually, he would have played. He only played two quarters. <laughs> I mean, is there any real debate? I mean, LSU's going to win this game, hands down. 
Yeah, it doesn't. Really no matter where it they play, matter it. where the game's played. If it's played in Colombia in front of seven thousand people, it's yeah. going to be played. Uh, they're going to still going to win, uh, and they're going to make a decision sometime tomorrow. Um, well, probably this will. They'll be hearing this on Thursday, so they would have made the yeah, decision on Wednesday. Uh, people they, of the future, you know better than we do. Yes, mm-hmm. you do. So, yeah. Baton, right now, Baton Rouge and Charlotte are kind of the two places that they're they're batting around. Which would okay. be funny if they go back to Charlotte and, and to the. Um, Can they play it here in Athens? That'd be kind of cool. Would it? <laughs> Maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't feel cool to me. Okay. <laughs> but I'm, you know, I'm significantly older than you, so get off my lawn. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Bert, isn't that what we said we're going to call him? Hey, Bert? Bert? Bert Bulimia. Hey, Bert takes on a buzzsaw in Alabama who is ranked eighth now. And they go to Tuscaloosa, no. right? I don't need much time for this, Alabama. Yeah, I think uh, no, hey, nice. Listen, in the battle of who is currently under the most despair, uh, Bert Bert pulled that off last week. But yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not even going to be close. No. So. All right. So I debated. I, I pulled these down to the bottom. I debated on whether to do the SEC game first or the Big Ten game first. Let's get Illinois out of All there. right. Let's get so, Illinois out of there. Okay, so, I'll, I'll go ahead and give my spiel on this. Noon uh, kickoff? Is that 11 local? It is 11 local. Wow. Well, uh, yeah, but I mean, we're very used to those. So. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's a very common okay. thing. Um, but, of course, this is at Iowa City, a place I don't think Illinois has won in a very, very long time. Uh, Iowa, it's it, talk about a team that things are setting up for. Uh, Iowa is in very good position to win a – to. You know, I, they, they've joked in the solid verbal podcast, how do you talk to your children about a 12-0 Iowa – Look at their schedule. There are a lot of wins on that schedule. If they they've got this week. They've got at Northwestern, home against Maryland, at Indiana, home against Minnesota, home against Purdue, and at Nebraska. That looks like a twelve and zero schedule to me. I'm sorry, like it really does. And I, I don't think I was that great. But if they can win at Wisconsin, they can absolutely win every single one of those games. To me, the only chance Illinois has in this game is if it's like the Nebraska game. If they keep it somewhat close and something weird happens at the end, which is how Illinois beat Nebraska. I feel like that's more likely to happen uh, uh, in Champaign than it is in Iowa City. As much as I love the idea, it is worth noting that if Illinois wins this game, they've got Wisconsin at home for homecoming this year. They've got Northwestern in, in Champaign. They've got Ohio State, which, will just, which of course they'll get destroyed by. But like they've got Purdue. If Illinois wins this game and they can beat Northwestern, in all seriousness, the Big Twelve West hit title is on the table. <laughs> like, oh, completely. And, and I, I'm like, listen, that's not going to happen. But like, it is sort of crazy to tell you. Uh, we we joke about the coastal uh, in in the ACC. If Illinois is on the potentially a possible team that could pull off a big uh, a, a Big Twelve West, Big Ten West End, that tells you everything you need. To know. So, might that be a rematch against Ohio State four weeks later, uh, or Michigan State? Or Michigan yeah. State, but um, but yeah, I think that uh, I mean, look, look uh, that schedule. You've got uh, at Iowa, which is again a tough win, but you've got Wisconsin at home uh, after a week off for for a homecoming. You've got a very shaky Penn State team. You've got a very shaky Purdue team. You've got Ohio State who will kill you, and then you've got at Minnesota a team that Illinois beat last year, and then you've got Northwestern. Listen, I don't think Illinois. I if Illinois gets six wins, I'm going to be elated. But it's worth knowing that when you beat Nebraska, as bad as the Big Twelve West is, all and you've got Wisconsin at home and Northwestern and theoretically at home. This is the type of game that if you win, it actually does set up for you. But Illinois is not going to win. Oh, so you're picking Iowa. I'm picking Iowa, absolutely. I've got to pick Iowa, too. Um, Illinois has – 
you could yeah, they have a quarterback. There's, look, there's one way to look at it that Illinois has gamely fought back and or held off team surging. Mm-hmm. They either fought back one game and fought a team surging to hold on for a win. Um, Iowa has shown that Kirk Ferenc is going to earn his money this year, and there's just no way around that. Um, now that I don't know that I disagree with you that if this comes down to a fluky, if it's within three points with two and a half minutes left, I, Illinois doesn't win this game, but I don't think it'll be that close. I mean, it's worth knowing that Illinois is a missed field goal against Middle Tennessee State yeah. or a actual non-stupid play call by Mike Riley of having lost three in a row, being two and three, everyone's, and then and then uh, at that point, Lane Kiffin is actively campaigning for the job. Yeah. No, he's not, obviously. So y'all are picking Iowa. I think, yeah, Iowa's like Well, Tim Dwight's not walking through that door. <laughs> yeah. And uh, really it's been Jeff is, George. Is yeah. Jeff George. Now? Jeff George Jr. is the third string quarterback for Illinois. So Jeff George may very well be walking through that door. Wow. Well, Tim Dwight's not, and he was my favorite player, and then he starred with the Falcons for all those years. And Kirk Ferentz is the coach for Iowa, and you could probably draw some correlation between Kirk Ferentz, Iowaning. Is that a term? Clemson, Clemsoning, Georgia, what happened last week. And I just got this feeling that they got this feel-good thing going. They got this good vibe. And then Will's fighting Illini come marching into Kibbit Stadium. Kinnick? Kinnick. Kinnick. And y'all got some strange pronunciations out in the Midwest. So anyway, I'm picking Illinois. There you go, Will. Wow, I'll take it. Your- I'll take it. If that, if that hey, happens, maybe about a three-four confidence pick. Though. Yeah, if that happens, there there will be uh there, there will there will be quite uh there will be quite the thing. All right, so that brings us to the CBS Vern, Uncle Vern, and Uncle Gary. Gary. Join us again. Gary had a field day criticizing Georgia last week. Georgia takes it up to Knoxville, Rocky Top. I'm wondering what's the. I know what the spread is. Georgia's favored by three and a half. What's the over under on how many times we'll hear third down for what on TV? <laughs> Which is one of the most annoying, asinine things that they continue to play. And you know what? Those Tennessee fans and their overalls and their orange camo, you know what they're doing in the stands? Yeah. They're doing their hands up and down like this, like they're feeling the, the third down for what? Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I jotted down a couple of stats. Um, UT's uh, conversion rate is 28.75% on third down. Georgia's is 27.27. We're both in the bottom, bottom 15. Actually, Georgia's, you know, 123rd, I'm sorry, 123rd number faced. UT has faced 80 third downs. Georgia's faced 48. They're not going to see a lot of third downs against Georgia. Georgia has, has done a very good job this season, even against Alabama, I mean, we were what six, four, five, four, eight, seventeen, and that's the most we faced all season. We're not going to face seventeen again. So, you know, I think this game comes down to Georgia's running game and the ability to contain Dobbs. I think we do a good job of that. I think this is a really nice bounce back win for Georgia. Yeah, I have to say, I I agree with you in a almost self protecting type of way because if this goes. Because you know, again, I, we talked. We've compared to the Vanderbilt game a couple yeah. of times. I mean, let's say Vanderbilt has a little bit better quarterback or has a little bit better offense. That might have gotten a little shady and hairy. And so again, that's the fear. You wonder if the advantage. The reason I pick Georgia is if things go wrong, and this game is tight late, 
I actually feel like Tennessee is going to hear the foot, feel the footsteps more than Georgia is. Yeah, and and, and as much as I'm going to personally be scared uh, at that point, Tennessee at this point, it's hard to see how they can really have a lot of confidence in anything if it's a close game late. So that to me, that that's a, that's a pretty solid reason to pick Georgia. Like even in the worst case scenario, yeah, Tennessee is still actually more scared at the end of that game. Yeah, and and it it doesn't it should not go without noting that, and we talked about this last week a little bit. What Lane Kiffin did in scheming around our defense, particularly our pass defense, was really impressive. I don't know that Mike DeBoard has that in him. Um, and the same goes for John Jansen. John Jansen's not a terrible defensive coordinator. They still tackle like they did at Georgia with Willie Martinez. Uh, I think we saw that uh, against the Florida game. Um, but, you know, Jeremy Pruitt is significantly better than Mike DeBoard is, I think. Um, and frankly, I think Brian Schottenheimer is is better than John Jansen. And I think it comes down to if it comes down to scheme, I still think we win. If it's straight, if it's straight talent versus talent, and comes down to scheme, we win. Are you trying to figure out the time? It's three thirty. No, I've already mentioned the time. I was trying to do a dramatic pause. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, dramatic pauses are kind of not even really necessary in podcasts because you can build a dramatic <laughs> pause in if you want to. I've learned that from many podcast edits that I've done. Anyway. If you think back to the Georgia-Tennessee game, or when I think back to it, it seemed, and I've been to about three or four of them up in Knoxville. I have not been since 2009 when we were down 28 nothing. I left that stadium at halftime. But or it seems like something that happens frequently is a big kick return. You remember Damian yeah, Gary yeah. in 2001? Yeah. Um, even Brandon Boykin in 2009 took one back 100 yards Sean Jones, back in the day, picked up a fumble that Casey Clawson had when they were going to drive to go up by 14, I think. And then he returns it back. Larry Mutson had a fantastic call on that. Um, My wife and I were at that game. I saw Garrison Garrison Hurst at that game. So I think it's going to be the 35th anniversary of us winning up in Knoxville, what, 16-14, 16-15? I think Georgia's going to surprise and shock the world going to wear the red britches with the white tops. I have nothing to base that on. It's just my own personal fantasy. And then Tennessee's <laughs> going and then Tennessee's going to come out in those questionable smoky grays with the outline of the Smoky Mountains on it, just like they did 2 years ago. Tennessee's going to wet the bed and Georgia's going to win comfortably three touchdowns. I like it. I like it too. I'm very comfortable. Red pants. You heard it here first. Red pants. What color would those gray uniforms turn if the players all actually urinated on themselves? I guess it would actually turn Tennessee's color. It would actually probably orange. turn Tennessee's yes. orange. orange. That's orange. Actually probably exactly. Maybe that's actually how the uniform actually began. I so, just can't get over the outline of the Smoky Mountains. It's like, yeah, dude, no, stop it. Right. You know, I'm cool with that checkerboard thing on the back. It looks cool. Yeah. If you're going to the game, say hey to Bob and Lulu for, Lulu for me, please. That's the – never mind. People listen to the podcast, I know. I don't – it went over my head. That's the that's the picture of the UT fans. One of them in overalls, the other one with a bouffant hairdo from like three years ago. It's actually older than that, but Google it. UT Bubba and Lulu. I think it was their prom, I believe. <laughs> well, they went to the Tennessee game for the prom. So, do you have any? Uh, as we sign off, do you have any good Tennessee jokes? None, none that I want my mother to hear. So, no. Let's not let's not let's not go there. It's just too easy. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I, I did drop the tooth. Got their tooth kicked in, so yeah. I think that should count. Yeah, they got great go karts up there. Pigeon well, I mean, Forge, Pigeon Forge is fantastic. That's absolutely one way of looking at it. 
I think I think they call them luxury vehicles. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> there. I think that's actually. I don't think they think of them as go karts at all. I think they actually <laughs> think of them as Rolls Royce. Bob and Lulu. Lula. That's fantastic. You oh, need hey, to tweet that out. Uh, yeah. Tweet it out on Thursday because people will have listened to this and be like, what does Bubba and Lulu look like? So about three o'clock on Thursday, tweet it out. How about that? Yeah, I'm on it. Okay. I'm on it. All right. So I think that does it for this week. This is episode 15 already. Can you believe that? Yeah. We're halfway halfway through the season. Yeah. We're what? We are Uh, halfway the halfway point. 85 episodes to syndication. Nice. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, yeah, maybe. Get those those syndication money just flying in. Yeah. Well, wait till the box set comes out. We need to get some sponsorships for this (laughs) thing. I I hear FanDuel and DraftKings are available. Oh, wow. Yeah. We never even talked about that. Yeah. Do you want want to? I was, no, I was working on a player, player owned joke somewhere. I just couldn't get there. Listen, the more those people suffer, suffer, the happier that I am. Yeah. I can't Uh, stand their commercials. Like, and and regardless, I mean, let's not forget that, you know, we spent our entire adult lives and, and kids' lives, you know, being like, Gambling in sports is wrong. Gambling in sports is terrible. Pete Rose is banned. So Joe Jackson is banned. Tim Donaghy is this stain on the NBA. And then the football season starts. They're like, wee! We gambling is wonderful. Money. Because they're giving the leagues money. And so for me, to see everybody involved in this really ugly, shady, really nasty situation, to see them get egg on their face is satisfying. Yeah. I, the, the thing about it is, again, I'm a poker player. I love I love playing cards. Um, but it's been a long time since I've played online for that very reason because it was the the sites were all the sites were all full of shills. They were all full of insiders who had you know master basically master accounts that could see all the cards. And this is this is rough. I tweeted yesterday. I think if if nothing else comes to this, we see a lot fewer ads. I'm okay with that um, because it's you know I'm not I'm not the gambling is I'm not in the, in the gambling is bad camp. Right. Um, but I certainly think it is unseemly. Uh, particularly for ESPN to take so much of the money with the way they've treated Pete Rose's possible candidacy to get back in good Well, races. I mean, frankly, to see MLB take the money, or NFL take the money, take the money, or college, college colleges teams take the, take the money. It's nasty. That's exactly man. right. It's and then come out business. and say, oh, we're going to take the money, but no player, no yeah. college athlete. And this isn't gambling. No, it's not gambling. No, it's, it's, it's not gambling. It's competition. Yeah, exactly. But you can't play it. Yeah, so it's, it's, it really is. I can't it, to see. Unseemly. I want it to explode. I want everyone involved with it to 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 be set aflame. So yeah. I'm very excited to like, regardless of the commercials. Which, frankly, I watch the Red Zone channel on Sundays. I don't see any commercials anymore. Oh, you yeah, lucky so, dog! Like, you have I that. The, I love the Red Zone. So how do like, you get that? You have to pay for it. It's part of an extra package. It came with my Big Ten Network package. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. um, I have to pay for the Big Ten Network. I'm going to watch a lot of games. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah. certainly, particularly basketball games and. But so I actually don't even the ads don't they're not really a big part of my life. I, hear, I actually frankly hear them more on podcasts than I actually see them really? on. on and, we're, and we're really just talking about one particular podcast. Yeah, right, exactly. And uh, but certainly for me to uh, so I, the ads don't even really bother that much. It's just it is the idea. It's one thing. For, it's bad enough that ESPN does it. That, that's taking the money on this stuff. But to see the leagues themselves do it and then claim because they are getting a lot of money from this VC backed shady company is. Uh, my favorite, the favorite thing I've learned out of this, though, do you know who the the PR person for DraftKings is? No idea. It's a woman named Justine Sacco. Does that name mean anything to anyone? Sacco? Justine Sacco. Is, is that what the Sacco's named for in the league? No, no. no. Oh. Justine Sacco. Was she an investigative reporter at no. one point? No. Justine Sacco is the woman who, before she got on a flight to Africa, 
tweeted. Yes, oh, I remember. No. Tweeted, I'm off to Africa. I hope I don't get AIDS. Ha ha ha. That is the PR person for DraftKings. Holy wow. cow. They can all burn. They can all burn. Every single one. And I, I, I actually feel like she did. Like, I don't think she actually. I feel like she got a little railroaded for that. But to me, that is a pretty good sign of the kind of operation yeah, that they're running. Here. I think that's probably right. Wow. Shady. So anyway, all right. Let me uh, also let me put a little plug in. Uh, So Friday afternoon at three fifteen, if you're traveling to Tennessee on eleven eighty a.m. with Fourth Quarter Radio, Charlie Burris, I am going to um, I'm going to have a guest spot there. We'll talk Georgia, Tennessee. Uh, So if you're in the Knoxville area Friday afternoon and you have fifteen minutes to blow, listen to eleven eighty. You'll get to hear me basically regurgitate everything Will said. Or maybe they can find it on the TuneIn Radio app. Or the TuneIn. I don't know if it's on TuneIn Radio. But. Well, it's not on that phone that you carry. Yeah, real funny, dude. <laughs> All right, and with that, that does it for episode 15, the Georgia versus Tennessee pregame show. Good go luck dogs. to Yeah, good luck to your teams this week, unless you're a Tennessee Vol fan, and go dogs. Go, go dogs. Hi, my name is Jack, and you were listening to the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I'm joining here with Walker, and we are here to talk about the Georgia-Tennessee pregame show. Walker? You ready? Take it away. Hello, my name is Walker Duvall. Me and my brother have been waiting for this moment to happen because we lost Alabama, and we really want to go really low ranking to number one, but we're just going to try to win to Tennessee, so we're just going to give our opinions on what's going to happen, and we're going to do anything else that we can spit out of our mouth and say. Take it away. Here's my opinion about the Georgia-Tennessee game. I think that Georgia's defense is relatively good, and their offense needs to be a tiny bit better. Because Hudson Mason is very, he's getting, I don't know. Okay, so he just messed up the name. It is Grayson Lambert. I got to correct you on some stuff here. But his name is Grayson Lambert. And what's the other guy's name? Number 12? I forget his name. But um, <laughs> Grayson Lambert, he, um, his girlfriend got queened of Georgia. The Georgia girl. And um, so he was like... Walker, I'm going to stop you right there. I want to know what your prediction of the score is for the Georgia-Tennessee game. Oh, I forgot that part. But um, I think what's going to happen is the score is going to be tied at the fourth quarter with 10 seconds left. And Georgia's going to come up and kick a field goal like a... 30-yard field goal and and score and then I think they're going to they're going to um fake the punt and run for a touchdown so they can get 7 points instead of um 3 points and that will be a great game and Tennessee fans will be really sad when they go home to their um homes in Rocky Top Tennessee so take it away Jack I didn't hear the score. What was the score going to be? Oh, it was going to be 37 to 30.
because I mentioned um, the um, fake field goal. So it's got to be seven. Let me hear your score. I think the score is going to be 31-28, Georgia. You know why I think that? Why? Georgia is very good. Tennessee is not ranked. That means they're so-so. Georgia could, and I say could because it's the operative word, they could lose. I have 99% and 1% that they're going to lose to the dogs, the other dogs, because they've got a dog and we've got a dog, but we've got the best dog. I bet we could beat the other dog. I think most of all, all of the listeners probably agree with me, but... I mean, I think the Tennessee fans are going to be sad because they're going to lose to us. I bet they are. I have a hundred percent that they're going to lose to us because we're. I know we're ranked number nineteen, but we're going to try to make it up. And Nick Chubb and we've got Sony Michelle. Well, last in the Alabama game, Isaiah McKenzie he got hurt from the kickoff and um. As you heard in the beginning, my name is Walker, and number 15, DeAndre Walker, um, he's my guy because he has my last name, and I like Herschel Walker. So, take it away, Jack. Thank you, Walker, for giving me that explanation. Thank you for listening to the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. As normal, I am Jack. And I am Walker, and I just want to say... Thank you, listeners, for listening to my brother and me, and I hope we're going to be in the next episode with our dad, hopefully him talking with us. And Tony and Will are going to be back, and they're going to talk a little bit more about the Tennessee game when it um, when Georgia loses or if they win. Go Dogs! Sick them! Woof, 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 woof. Nice job, boys. Well, definitely naturals. Is that fun? Yeah. You want to do it again? Yeah. And that'll do it. Special thanks goes out to Jack and Walker for contributing to this episode. They might be young, but they know their football and love the dogs. This podcast can be heard on SoundCloud, the Georgia Sports Blog, and iTunes. Should you have an extra three minutes or so and are listening to us via iTunes, if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show, that would be awesome. And don't forget to enter our WSLS Podcast College Football Pick'em Contest. You can find the link on the front page of the funofficepools.com or via the Georgia Sports Blog. See if you can beat our guest pickers this week. Jack and Walker have a call sign on the College Football Pick'em. It's JT and W. That's W with a D-U-B-Y-A. <laughs> our show's Twitter handle is at WSLS Podcast. Should you feel inclined to tweet at us individually, Tony Wallers is at Tyler Dogden. That's D-A-W-G-D-E-N. You can find Will Leach at William F. Leach. That's spelled L-E-I-T-C-H. And mine, Scott Duvall's, is at Jawavi Films. That's J-A-W-A-V-I Films. Listen out for our Tennessee postgame show on Monday morning. Good luck to everyone in the college football world this week, except Tennessee, of course. And, as always, we'll see you on campus. Take care.